0: every time
2: a proud member of the Gunna geek network the opinions expressed are those of each individual check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three two one
0: on this week's episode it's the best in pro wrestling for 2021 what are we looking forward to in 2022 and what does my list look like for this year's best in pop culture. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse.
2: Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse.
0: Here we go Melinda, my best of pop culture in 2021. Are you ready?
1: Oh, I'm so ready. I've 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 stretched. I'm I'm good.
0: This first thing at the very tail end of my best of 2021 is actually on a lot of worst and also some best of 2021's list it's a very divisive thing
1: Ooh, a controversial take okay yes
0: it is cowboy bebop which i think if you are not a fan of the anime you'll like it more than sure. it being a hardcore devoted fan i really like cowboy bebop i'm hoping it finds a second life somewhere else or maybe netflix will recant and uncancel it but I'm hoping it finds a season two. I thought the performances by Mustafa Shakir and Daniela Pineda were outstanding. Mm-hmm. Really make the actual series itself. Jon Cho was okay, you know, playing the main role there. But I really think that the fact that you have these intergalactic space bounty hunters—that whole concept, that whole idea—was very colorful. It was very stylish. I literally, yeah. I really, really liked it. I know it had some issues here and there as far as the plot is concerned, but overall i kind of liked what i saw with cowboy bebop
1: yeah i I enjoyed the series too i really did i thought it was it was fun to watch and that's the bare minimum of like the the bottom line that you have to cross is am i going to enjoy watching this am i going to have fun and i had a lot of fun watching it
0: i agree with you on that and the thing is if you are a fan i understand i think there are things and elements there from what i've read you know i can totally understand that you're upset about but Come on. This was, to me, was a really good series. I think that, again, it could have been better. I think so. But I think for what it was, I think it was really entertaining. And that's what I want out of a Netflix series. And I think Cowboy Bebop deserves for me to be on that list of the best of 2021. What I have next is something that you and I both like. And I'm not sure if you caught up on the entirety of it, but something we've talked about a little bit on the show, CSI Mm -hmm. Vegas.
2: Oh, Uh, good call. that
0: Yes. Had its little issues during the start of it, but again, rounded out to tell a great narrative over the 10-episode arc, and I'm thankful that we got to see Gil Grissom, aka William Peterson, one last time. He will not be a part of season two, which makes me very sad. Georgia Fox's status, her, is still up in the air we don't know it's up to her whether or not she wants to continue I would probably actually have her not because the fact she would have to explain where her husband is half the time yeah, was, i'm serious yeah
1: yeah so. I was just i was just going there as well you might as well not have either of them and allow the the new cast to try to yeah. to move forward
0: and you love Paula Newsom I thought she was great on the show yes. I, I think some of the cast members are hit or miss but again she is a hit as far as her on the show i think the show does deserve a season two, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can offer with or without William Peterson and Georgia Fox. I, I really think that things are looking good for CSI Vegas season two.
1: Absolutely. I agree. Here, here,
0: here, here, indeed. Next on my list is probably one of the best musicals that's out there, one of the best rated musicals that's out there, and that's something that, again, I have stressed on this show with my love for the band itself that helped create this musical, and that's Annette. It is weird. It is totally Sparks. But it is something that if you can get into it, it is something that's well worth watching. Adam Driver can actually sing. He does a pretty good job. Marion Cotillard, is a, her voice is just operatic. It's just beautiful to listen to. Again, the story itself, again, is out there. And it, if you come to know them, the, the male brothers known as Sparks, you would understand that this is something that they would write because they themselves are <laughs> kind of offbeat all the stuff that they've done over the years. But again, this is well worth watching and one of the best musicals of 2021. In a year that there were many musicals, this to me really stands out. One of the songs at the very beginning, Now May We Start, has been named to the shortlist for best song. So we'll see if it actually gets on the list and nominated, but it is on the shortlist. So it's being thought of very well. So you get a chance check out Annette when you get a chance it's on available on Amazon Prime so I a, a lot of Sparks fans that are out there are really happy that they've had this kind of success this year and you never know something that involves them may appear on this list coming up here in a bit as well next up on the list is Demon Slayer my daughter my youngest daughter is a huge fan of Demon Slayer and Mugen Train is something that I caught with her as a special movie that has continued this anime series as really popular really really popular and we've mentioned that on the show how in the past how well the movies have done and the series has done in Japan and all over the world so Demon Slayer Mugen Train is something I highly recommend it's a lot of fun to watch I really enjoyed it I think it comes as highly recommended and continues the successful line of Demon Slayer stuff and they're going to continue that really really going on a lot more so I think that the Demon Slayer train, pardon the pun, is going to continue and it's going to continue for a long time to come. And a lot of it is based off the success of Demon Slayer Mugen Train. So please go ahead and check it out if you can, where you can catch it. I'm not sure if it's on Hulu or not, but it is available and out there on VOD, I think, still. So if you get a chance, check out Demon Slayer Mugen Train. It is well worth the watch. And actually, the whole Demon Slayer series, you know, start from the beginning. It's really good. Can. Yeah. It's really, really, really good. I'm really looking forward to seeing more of Demon Slayer. Cobra Kai season three, not season four. We could actually technically put season three and season four on this list because you can actually see season four on December 30th on Netflix. Right. Uh huh. But I think if season four pans out, because I haven't seen season four in its entirety. I think I will go ahead and say we will put that on next year's list if it qualifies for bad or good, what have you. But season three, which debuted on January 1st of this year, is very good. And this series continues to amaze me even more. I'm not a big fan, as I've always said, of the actual original movies. All three of them didn't think they were good at all i thought they were overly cheesy i thought they emphasized even when i saw it in the 80s what was not really great about the 80s is very cheesy it's very corny but then you get into this series and it turns everything that you saw in these previous karate kid films and turns it around on its head makes johnny the hero who is really one of the best characters in television right now, just because of the fact that you've seen his whole life turn around and he has this chance to go ahead and improve his life and manages to screw it up every single way he can.
2: <laughs> and now
0: he's teaming up with his arch rival, who yeah. we know for as the hero from the karate kid movies for so long, yeah. and now they're both teaming up to fight a common enemy that you all know from the karate kid movies as well. So I don't want to put in too much into as far as into spoiler territory, but if you get a chance, please check out Cobra Kai seasons one, two, and three. Especially three. I thought three is really good. Thought it had a decent ending. Season two was good up until the fact that they had the world's longest high school fight. That I <laughs> thought was really uh, kind of weird. But season three, I thought was really good. Put it, in fact, actually has an appearance by an old character, an old flame. Actually. Two old flames per se. It actually has reappearances by several of the favorite characters from the past. So please go ahead and check it out. It is Cobra Kai season three before you go ahead and check out Cobra Kai season four on Netflix. And please support Cobra Kai because Cobra Kai, strike hard with Cobra Kai season three. You like that? Strike hard, strike fast, strike hard. Yeah,
1: I'm with you. I'm with you. I caught it. I caught it.
0: There's a slogan right there for you. But <laughs> next on the list is something on Disney Plus, and it's something I was surprised to see that was on Disney Plus. And that is the Beatles Get Back. Mm. I thought that, you know, since the library is owned by Apple, you would think Apple Plus would have jumped at the opportunity to go ahead and have something that Peter Jackson was able to get a hold of. It's just sitting in the library or sitting in the dark chambers of Paul McCartney's property. And he goes to Paul McCartney, hey, can I have this? You know, Can I go ahead and play around with this? And he said, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, no problem. So like, tens and tens of hours of, of footage that they were able to go ahead and, and cut down to still a very, very long three-part documentary. But the thing is, it's so fascinating. It's almost like watching history because the Beatles are so much of a part of music history. I mean, you as a radio personality for 20 years, you know how yeah. important the Beatles are to music to mm-hmm. the world in general, over the past half century, what they've yeah. done and what they've created over that course of the time that they were together. And this entails their last and final few days together as a unit of the breakup that they had initially with George Harrison leaving the group, trying to get them back in to do one last performance together and the, and the music that they created together. But it's a fascinating look at what we see from the Beatles. It is a long three-part documentary. It's not six hours. It's actually longer than that. So I really appreciate everything that I saw with Get Back. And again, it's like that last bit of history. And it, and you, know, you can show younger audiences this, and it teaches them exactly how important the Beatles were to our history.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Good pick.
0: I know Roger is out there. He said on the comments that he started watching the Beatles Get Back and he thinks they should have broken up into smaller chunks. I'm not going to say I disagree with you in that because, again, these are long three- and four-hour episodes. I agree they probably should have broken up into maybe one-hour, 90-minute episodes, maybe two-hour episodes at the very most. But, again, in its form, I think it's like a history lesson. I see the Beatles Get Back being part of music history classes going forward because I think it's a fascinating look at what many will consider the all-time greatest band. I know Josh says he thinks the all-time greatest rock band was Rolling Stones. I'm not going to argue with that, but uh, again, it's to your taste, but I think the history, as far as critically received, popularity, I think that you can say the Beatles are still number one.
1: Yeah, and I think that along with what you were saying there, it's, it's kind of an unflinching look as well. I don't think that they tried to pretty anything up either for you know the things that were happening in the band and and among the members and and things like that during that period of time where this documentary takes place so no I I like it I thought it was courageous of McCartney to agree to put it out to be completely honest and wait
0: can I ask you can do you Robbie Ross do you do you both have like you know hours of footage back in the attic somewhere that we can go ahead and make a documentary out of
1: Oh, we we do have audio cuts that don't make it into the podcast. Yes, I do have a folder of outtakes. Yes.
0: Okay. Is it like 19 hours worth of stuff?
1: <laughs> it's not 19 hours. It's You know, you could probably take all of these little like 10, 12, 30 I think it was like
0: 60 footage. hours of actual yeah. footage or, or even yeah. more of Beatles stuff. So yeah, that's insane. Yeah. That's just insane. You have that there, line. Yeah. Only <laughs> Paul McCartney can have that stuff lying around the house. Oh, it's just right here. Oh, yeah, this stuff. Yeah, yeah right. I, I yeah. forgot about it a long time ago, but yeah. yeah. But is the Beatles get back, it was a tremendous experience. I agree with Roger. I think it should have been broken up into smaller chunks, but maybe you should take it in in smaller chunks. It's easy to go ahead and do, take it in an hour at a time, two hours at a time, what have you. But please go ahead and check out the Beatles get back. Coming up next for me on the best of prop culture in 2021 is Loki, outstanding series. I like the ending. I know depending on the age group, again, as we talked about, whether or not you like the ending or not because my daughters for instance couldn't stand the ending I like the ending the way it it sets up for the next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe I really liked I thought it was well done I think people get squirmy on the Loki versus Loki love story Uh, I know that people get a little bit squirmy on that but still I think it was a very good series and I enjoyed my time with Loki
1: yeah Yeah. I I enjoyed that series too yeah good pick (laughs) sorry i don't have a whole lot
0: to add to that one no good- no worries but i got something i know you'll like and that you've already yeah. spoken about is the squid game is also yeah. on my best of 2021 it telling you in detail about humanity greed and emotion and love all in the same series. series it has captivated the world's attention yeah. it has been seen by hundreds of millions of viewers now and it just It's just an incredible series. I know that obviously uh, season two now is on the way because it's achieved just unmentionable success and just really just achieve a level of success that's almost been unmatched by anything else that's out there. So the Squid Game has been a world sensation and rightly so because it is very, very good. It was on your best of 2021, if I'm not mistaken. So yes, it's, it's really something worth watching, the Squid Game. Roger did want to say he agreed that Squid Game was fantastic and very well done. Yes, we we just truly thought it was a, a well done. That's both on our pop culture best of list for 2021.
2: Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast.
1: Big on America.
2: Hey, guys, this is Jason Dutch with Dig America Podcast, and I'm here with Big
0: Next up is a video game for us, and that's Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I know Josh had some video games on his list, but Mass Effect Legendary Edition, you knew I wasn't going to forget about Mass Effect because I really, really, really appreciated the fact that Mass Effect Legendary Edition was an experience. I would love to go back into the additions and the upgrades were well worth making, and it reminds you of just how truly brilliant this series has been. And still can be with stuff going forward as far as a sequel, a Mass Effect Four. We'll just forget about Mass Effect Andromeda. Let's throw that away. Let's throw that you know somewhere under the rug. But yeah, let's hide that like Paul McCartney's Get Back, fifty hours of documentary. Let's just have that lying somewhere else in the house. But right. Mass Effect Four. The reason why people are so excited is in part because of Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Coming up next is. Something again I mentioned earlier that my love for Sparks was justified this year because not only did we have a net that came out, which was a very good musical, but we also have from Edgar Wright, director that a lot of people appreciate and follow, was his love for the male brothers called the Sparks Brothers, which to me was the best documentary of twenty twenty one tells obviously their history a side of them showcases so many actors and actresses and music industry and just celebrities in detail about their love for sparks and obviously trying to get them over to a larger audience that's the goal to help people come to appreciate these guys because they're in their 70s they're still going to be touring but still we don't know how much longer we're going to have them since they've been around since the 60s but yes, it is this sparks they are a cult hit group they they cater to a niche trying to expand that niche, but this explains the history of what the Mayo brothers have done as Sparks, their ups and downs, their highs and lows. It is not a, a structured in a way that's going to be outlandish. It's a very basically structured documentary, but it is done so clean it is done so well. The production values are extremely high. It is a very well-made documentary. I know I have a good friend, Rob McCallum that does a lot of documentaries out there that, when he does them really well are very comparable to this because when he does a documentary that's this well done like this it's very slick it cuts through very fluidly and tells what it needs to tell as far as what it needs to get across so yes the sparks brothers by edgar wright was on my best of list for 2021 on my last four <laughs> okay <laughs> chivalry 2 best multiplayer game that's out there so if you feel like going ahead and donning the sword the shield the armor go ahead and check out Chivalry 2. It was the best video game experience for me in 2021 and the best multiplayer experience in 2021 for me by far. Really had a great time with it. You can go ahead and again, if you're a newbie or experienced, doesn't matter. You can still go ahead and feel competitive, which is something very few multiplayer games can have is where you don't feel like you're really out of foot if you're not really that good at the game or you're not really experienced with the game. This does well for you, whether you're experienced or not experienced allows you to go ahead through varying ways to go ahead and be competitive. So Chivalry 2, I give the highest marks for as far as a video game this year. Last three coming down to it is something that came out, unfortunately did not do very well as far as the box office, but I think still has a future because a lot of people are really liking what they saw from the Suicide Squad because it did so well on HBO Max. And obviously we have the Peacemaker series coming up in January. So James Gunn did a very good job with the Suicide Squad and helped take a movie that was really vilified in Suicide Squad, helped turn that around and create a movie that was fun, frantic, funny, just a whole bunch of great F-words, and it did include F-words into it. So it is a great movie, and I, I highly recommend it. It is a Suicide Squad. So hopefully people get a chance to check that out, because if you haven't yet, HBO Max has it right there for you please go ahead and check out the Suicide Squad because it is something, even though it didn't do well at the box office because of the pandemic, plus also day and day with HBO Max, I think that HBO Max and Warner Brothers were really happy with what they saw because the critical reception for it was outstanding. And the Suicide Squad is something I think we're going to see more of in the future. So I'm looking forward to it indeed. But the last two coming up for you right now, something we talked about last week, and that is Hawkeye. Oh, Hawkeye is wow. again.
1: Okay. That's
0: number two on my list. So, Hawkeye is the number two best thing in pop culture for 2021. Okay. It is simply the best television show that Marvel has ever produced, bar none. It's something that is good to great through every episode, something that has taken a character which we knew very little about, which we, for the most part, for a lot of people, cared very little about. And it's has true. taken it to a whole new level on people wanting to go ahead and now see a season two of a character that they may have not have cared about come November, you know, when the series first started. So, again, we not only did that, but it created a lot of new characters. It did a lot of storytelling. It branched off as far as for other series and had a lot of things to do and got all of it done, all of yeah. it done for it in, in, in a great way. You loved Kingpin on it. It, it, There's got to be a future for him. Roger just finished seeing it today. He thought it was absolutely wonderful. Again, just cannot say enough superlatives. You want to check out our full thoughts on the series, please go ahead and check out the PC Multiverse from Friday's show. So go ahead and check that out on our Christmas show, the PC Multiverse, but it is Hawkeye season one. And I'm hoping there'll be more of Hawkeye in the future because I really do think it is the Marvel Cinematic Universe's best television show of the year. Sorry, WandaVision, sorry, Captain American Winter Soldier. Sorry, what if? Sorry, Loki. This to me was the best Marvel show of the year. Fantastic. So now we now come to it. Now we oh, come gosh. to Yes, yeah, so you look so excited. So I hope you're not falling asleep like you were in The Matrix. Or like I was in The Matrix. <laughs> and Free Guy and all those other great movies right. I saw as well. Yeah. But number one with a drum roll is dune part one nice which now we will officially get a part two in two years yes. so i'm definitely looking forward to that this movie was so good i saw an hbo max on my big screen and thought it was not doing itself justice i had to go ahead and see an imax and my wife and i saw it in imax and we're just blown away yeah the cinematography The only thing that matches it was Denis Villeneuve's previous effort in Blade Runner 2049 because the cinematography on this was outstanding. The story Mm -hmm. that it told, yes, it does come to a stop like Halo 2. But again, it's a part one or part two. So really what it told up until that point was truly outstanding. This array of characters, the array of stars that he got for this film, they all did a great job. They're very menacing when they need to be. They're very heroic when they need to be. And it takes the turns. Yes, we all know the story who have read the book before. Yes, we all know where this is going. But it tells it in such a manner that is really compelling. And it obliterates David Lynch's efforts in the 80s when he had to go ahead and put two books into one. I'm very happy that it got extended for another part of it. I'm happy that they're developing a series for HBO Max off of it. Yes. Roger's saying, yes, the wait for the next part is too long, but he can't wait. Obviously, he enjoyed Dune. So many other people have enjoyed Dune as well. It's been a very successful hit, both in the box office and also HBO Max. It is something I cannot recommend enough, but it is Dune Part 1, my best of pop culture for 2021.
1: Fantastic. Well done.
0: Thank you. Got to take a deep breath after that. But before we head on out, Melinda, it is what we're looking forward to in 2022. So we'll go ahead and run real quickly. I'm looking forward to Starfield, which is the latest game from Bethesda, from the folks at Elder Scrolls, and also the Fallout series. Todd Howard is running it, so this is their latest IP that they want to get across. Looking forward to that. Obviously, the next God of War is supposed to be coming out in 2022. Looking forward to that. Horizon Forbidden West. There's going to be a lot of video games that are coming out. Movies, I think that a lot of people are looking forward to. Doctor Strange. Thor Love and Thunder, that's great. What's coming up with the Batman? I think a lot of people are really getting into that. What we're going to see as far as Black Adam and maybe even Shazam, the next Aquaman, if that comes out. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff that's on the way. Moon Knight and the MCU series are still going to be going strong in Disney+. Obviously, we're going to go ahead and check out the Book of Boba Fett. It's going to come out just as we're talking about this. The Book of Boba Fett is out, so I know we're looking forward to that as well. Got to go ahead and see it. I know we're recording this just before it's out there. But also, I want to go ahead and mention that The Mandalorian is going to come out eventually. I know people are excited where that series is going. But what are you looking forward to in 2022 before we head on out?
1: Oh, my goodness. That's that's uh, okay. Because I have a bad memory and I can't remember, when does the next Diablo video game come out? Is it, is it 2022 or is it 2023?
0: I believe it is 2022, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Well, I, I mean, I still play Diablo three weekly, if not sometimes. It is ahead. Diablo
0: Immortal delayed yes. to twenty twenty two?
1: Yeah, I, I sometimes still. Play, well, I mean, I'll get on kicks where I play Diablo three every single day, and then like once a week or whatever. But I, I still am playing Diablo three. Loved it. Can't wait for it. So excited. I'm gonna pre order it
0: absolutely any movies any television shows that you're excited to see
1: gosh oh gosh i know i know that there's a ton of stuff coming and i know that i'm excited for all of it i'm looking forward to the doctor strange movie i think that that's going to be great i'm excited for wizards and wine to come back as a podcast in 2022
0: there you um, go great plug
1: yeah, yeah so we're we're going to wrap up tube of annihilation and once that's finished we're heading into the Fae wild we're going to play through the wild beyond the witch lights so that's going to be a lot of fun. And that's going to be the the campaign that brings us back as a podcast. Cause we've been, like I say, we've been, I've been a little lax on getting audio edited and uploaded and all of that kind of stuff. But I think I found a timetable that will work. So Wizards & Wine will be back in 2022.
0: That's obviously one of the best things to look forward to. And then, of course, you got Warlocks and Whiskey and Vampires and Vitae. You do a great job there. You got Rob's Women's to Go One Shot. You also got the Demolition Force with Roger, who says he's looking forward to the Legend of Vox Machina. And then we've also got Mitch on the weekend. So, a lot of great tabletop RPGs action that you can go ahead and catch in the new year at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Well, just awesome. Thank you so much for being a part of this, Melinda. I want to wish you and Rob the best in the new year. But any last thoughts before we head on out?
1: Please give me more Kingpin. (laughs) Please. I love him as a villain so much. And I love those glimmers of him being a good guy. By a good guy, I mean, like, you see him, like, truly love something or someone or, or something. Well, Thanos
0: those. did, too, but we That's saw what, what happened mean. there.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, I understood where, th- am I a villain?
0: Doing that snap. Doing that right.
1: snap. Am I a villain? I might be a villain because I seem to understand where they're all
0: coming from. I'm going to let Robbie Ross, your husband, answer that one for you. So, you know what? I won't even go there.
1: When I can sympathize with the villain, I enjoy it. So
0: Okay, fair enough yeah. indeed. But I want to wish you and Robbie Ross all the best. Roger saying Vincent D'Onofrio is the best. Yes, he's asked to come back. So we'll see what happens with Kingpin in 2022 and beyond. Could yeah. it be something? Could it be a part of Echo? Could it be a part of uh, She-Hulk? Could to be part of a new daredevil series that's not announced yet but we think is on the way we'll wait and see but i have a feeling that even after the events of hawkeye we'll be seeing Kingpin sometime 2022 or sometime in the mcu i have a feeling i have a feeling yeah just too good just too good we got to talk about you and your villainous ways
1: I, i i don't know i don't know i don't know why that is i don't know why that's a thing you, you know gotta what? have an evil laugh.
0: Evil laugh. Evil laugh. I, evil laugh. I,
1: I also like the anti hero more than I like the hero.
0: Okay. All right. Well, you gotta yeah. have an evil laugh. You gotta have an evil laugh. If you're gonna be a villain.
1: I'll, I'll work on it.
0: Okay. I'm sure, I'm sure I
1: have a cackle somewhere that would work.
0: All right. All right. I'll, I'll let Robbie answer that one as well.
1: Yeah. But, right. Yeah.
0: But I wanna wish you and Robbie and also Roger and everyone out there that's watched and listened to us over the course of the past year all the best. wanna wish you a fantastic and safe and healthy. 2022 what are your thoughts out there on what you would love to see in 2022 what you're looking forward to we want to hear your thoughts pop culture cosmos wherever you get your social media and of course at pop culture cosmos
2: at yahoo.com you're listening to the pop culture cosmos don't touch that dial wait do, do people still use dials But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV, Canada.
0: Once again, it's John Orlando from the PvD cast. I guess that's Kevin Smith's new favorite podcast. You gotta go ahead and check it out today at thepvdcast.com and wherever you get your podcast. It is now time for you to go ahead and elaborate on who you think. Should be some of the best in pro wrestling for 2021. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, on this best future prospect. So we talked about MJF. And no, he can no longer be considered a future prospect because he is, I don't want to say a main eventer because he's not pushed as such on AEW as of yet. He's someone who can give you a televised main event, but... He's someone that they're very reluctant to go ahead and give the ball to, as they say in the industry at this point in time, which I think was you better do it soon because it's going to pass you by and MJF is going to go ahead and cash out somewhere else. Even if we don't think he might get over as well in WWE, he might go ahead at the end of his contract and just, you know, take off because he's not being where he wants to be in AEW. But yeah, that's another issue altogether. But your thoughts on the best future prospect for 2021.
2: Okay. Gerald, when you, when you pitched this to me in this category. I'm pitching this, it. I'm pitching no, it. No, no. When you pitched it a few days ago, the prospect I knew like that. And I'm going to go way deep into the indies for this one. One gentleman that I think absolutely has a great character. He has great skills in the ring. He's good on the mic is a gentleman that just got signed to NWA. I think the future prospect is the revolutionary Darius Lockhart. I got the opportunity to work a a show with him this summer and spoke to him, and nice guy. And he's the epitome of what we've heard for a very long time. You take your personality, you turn it up a couple notches. And I think from talking with him and from watching some of his promos and whatnot, he, he is himself just electrified or you know bumped up a little bit and uh, his, his character's great I wish nothing but the best for him in the NWA but I would love to see him moving on up and being a, a major player in AEW or even the WWE but that's my pick and if people are like John that's really obscure just go to YouTube put in Darius Lockhart the revolutionary watch his matches watch his promos it's good stuff I really think the world of him well,
0: for me, I think it was someone that we just talked about just a few minutes ago. Braun Steiner, a.k.a. Braun Breaker, as a future prospect. I think the future is out there for him, despite what they did to bungle his debut. I think that he's still thought of and seen as a very strong individual that's in the ring, and that's also a presence there. I think that he still has an aura about him that I think can succeed in the business. Whether or not he does in the very muddy waters of the WWE remains to be seen, but we'll give it a shot. Your thoughts, though, on the tag team of the year, best tag team of the year for
2: 2021? I will say that now these other categories I had to really think about. You go think about it, my friend. You did. (laughs) I'm going to go with a team that had their fifth tag team title reign, but more importantly, they were integral to probably the only WWE storyline I cared about. I'm saying the best tag team for this year is the Usos.
0: Mm, very interesting. Do you still see them as just the right-hand men for Roman Reigns, or
2: did they stand out on their own, do you think? I think it's a little of both. I think it's a little both. I think that they did some, they had some great matches in the tag team division, but I also think that, yeah, they still played the lackey to Roman Reigns, which was needed. I mean, it was a role that you had to have, you know, Roman couldn't always take all the beatings and the, and the bumps and whatnot. They had to have somebody else kind of like, you know, when the fabulous freebirds. that's what buddy Roberts' role was. He was the bump guy. He took the falls, you know, so Hayes and Gordy could look strong. So I'd say it's probably 50, 50, me but they had some great matches in the tag division they could hold their own but they also were very important to reigns in that storyline
0: this is going to kill me to say this because as (laughs) i've told you on the show i am not a huge fan of his but of course with his size and his presence you've always had to put him and keep him near the top but i'm going to say rk bro is my tag team of the year for 2021 because they're a team that actually got people interested. And in the very tepid waters at times for the WWE, their initial pairing and the things that they did are centered around RK Bro. Like, for instance, right now, the RK Bro Tournament or whatever they call it right now that's, Mm. that's on WWE Raw to go ahead and face off against them. I think that's gotten people interested in them. I like the dynamic between the two, between Matt Riddle and Randy Orton, again, Orton is someone who is just not someone that's going to win the charisma contest, but he has that presence. And he obviously has the best finisher that's out there, or one of the best finishers that out there that people believe in is a killer. So, I mean, they create memes of the guy. So what are you going to do? But I think that RK bro, I, you know, they aren't the best technical working team that's out there. They don't provide you the best matches, but they're a team that has been able to go ahead at least for a time, stand out amongst many other teams that are good but i don't think that a lot of these teams have stood out i mean when you mentioned the usos to me the usos are just like they're there they're the tag teams that we've seen at wwe that's over the years that's there are you're in you're out you're in you're out it's the same thing i've seen from them over and over and over no matter how much success that they provide or how things different things that they try to do it's still same old same old with me when i watch them same thing with AEW. i see that, you know, that they just cannot have a dominant tag team. They just got to go ahead and make sure that because they have so many tag teams, they got to go ahead and give everybody that their run. And in doing so, when they give everybody a run like FTR and all the other teams that they have there, they just go ahead and have that diluted waters and no nobody that stands out, nobody that the, the people can really get behind. I think RK-Bro for a period just because, again, the pairing, the odd couple, type of pairing was something that i think is amusing enough that it stood out for me in 2021 i'm not saying on a work basis i'm not definitely not saying on a work basis but i do think on a at at a point in time that people were talking about them
2: more than any other tag team in the world i agree because at first i hated the tag team but the more that i saw them on raw the more they grew on me i think it's all riddle yeah yeah it it, it absolutely is but orton With his kind of dry, serious tone.
0: It works so well. It works so
2: well. And I actually cared about Randy Orton. And I can't say that like two or three Well, the things I
0: care about Matt Riddle Mm -hmm. uh, for the first time. Because Matt Riddle, the do bro stuff when he was a single star, just didn't work for me.
2: Mm Because he would have
0: those awkward interviews and those backstage stuff that he would try and do. And he'd come up on his his little bike. And, you know, the ha ha ha, yeah, dude, 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 didn't work for me. It wasn't until, like you said, he found that person that's diametrically opposed as far as, as their personality that works so well off each other that that's the reason why I think that this team meshed so well. And I, that's, again, the reason why I would choose him as my tag team of the year. So that's where I have it. But once again, it's John Orlando, the guy behind the PvD cast. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at the thepbdcast.com and wherever you get your podcast. Up next. All right, let's go for it. It's the best women's wrestler that's out there. I think this is a category that's in a much better place. I think there are a lot of outstanding ladies out there as far as wrestling scene. I think this is in a better place than the men's tag teams or anything else out there. I think the women's platform, especially on the WWE side, is something that I think is better than virtually any other platform that's out there obviously we had the situation real life and otherwise although people still say it's not real or what they were doing the feud or not i think there were generally harsh feelings between becky lynch and charlotte flair uh, i really think that it also spilled out into the ring but in a, more in the form of their interviews less in the form of their work because their work together was still outstanding but Your thoughts on the best women wrestler of the world. I think AEW has improved on their women's product. I still think that they're not quite at the level of WWE, but there's still some outstanding individuals there as
2: well. Well, my selection is coming from the promotion where I think they have the best women's division, and that's Impact. Yeah, you've said
0: that on four on previous broadcasts, and then I have paid more attention and notice to it, and I can say that it's a very good selection as well until they all come up on
2: contract and get rated and go. Somewhere. Oh, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but for, for me, I felt the best women wrestler or woman wrestler of this year, Deanna Parrazzo. knew you were going to say that. Yeah. I felt like she won the, the impact title. She went to AAA and won their version of the women's title down there was a double champion for a while has, you know, been pushed into main event angles with Mickey James, you know, they have a big rematch coming up in a couple of weeks for the next pay-per-view for Impact. You know, and I also like the fact that Perrazzo has that aura of being a legit, tough individual, yes. like submission specialist. MMA background type. Yeah, thing. you know, she's got it. She can put you in that arm bar. She's got all kinds of submission moves. She's She's a serious wrestler, you know, with all the pomp and circumstance also thrown in there, which you need as an arrogant heel so I felt like she had but I'll be honest Britt Baker was also in that conversation in my head so was Becky Lynch so was Charlotte Flair but I thought overall I went with Deanna I think Deanna it's a question
0: of which paycheck does she want AEW or WWE? at some point in time I think the thing with WWE is they would try to change her name and mm-hmm. she probably doesn't want to change her name because she's going to reach a status of where she's thinking she's built an audience of her own that would follow her there. So I think with WWE, they're going to have to acquiesce because I know there's a very limited amount of stars that can actually go into WWE and keep their name because of obviously rights issues and things of that nature. So if we see her there, I have a feeling they're going to have to acquiesce and keep her name as is unless she gets a whole lot more money that's that's the thing but with aew i think aew is more accommodating on those type of things so with impact it's great that she's a part of impact but the problem is very few people watch impact oh I know, and they have not gotten the bump up or at at least they haven't sustained the bump up that they got from aew so as they flattened out less and less people are watching her great work on that scene so it's a shame because, you know, you have MLW in that same situation where they're going to have the type of audience that people see in the the NWA as well. So it's, mm-hmm. they are what they are as far as right now that they're, they're trying to go ahead and build their audience. But it's really hard in this days and age, as we spoke about before. But with Deanna Peraza, I see a star for her. I, I see do too. something that she's going to be on a platform in the not too distant future. Once her contract comes up with impact, that she's going to have a lot of choices to make. And that these choices are all going to be good ones for her career going forward. So I think that's an outstanding choice. I think that number one for me is still Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair, I think, with the kind of notoriety and name value that she gave to the industry this year. With just the standpoint of all the feuds and all the things that were said, you know, online. I think that's probably part of what what was created. But she's also, you know, I got to admit, she's great in the ring. She's Mm -hmm. one of the best in the world. And she had great matches this year. And I think that she is carrying the women's brand. I think before her pregnancy, Becky Lynch was carrying the brand. But Becky Lynch does not have that same je ne sais quoi since she's come back that I think a lot of people are excited about her. She's no longer the man, in my opinion. She's like, the man. She's good. She's got her audience. She's got her following. But she's not garnering that huge, huge response from people like she was in the past. I think that no one in the WWE is right now, but I think that Charlotte Flair is providing great wrestling, and that's something that I think is not to be underused and undersold, because I think that right now she is the pillar of what they have, and Is she still engaged or she they broke that off?
2: I don't know. I thought they were still engaged, but I just heard a little snippet that maybe that's not true. I don't know. Um, I don't know.
0: Whatever status. If that's the case, is she still engaged? some point in time, she's going to be heading out the door. You can tell. But if she's not and that relationship has broken up, then maybe she will stay with the WWE for a long time to come she will not be like her father that has left out the door but wait and see i mean she can basically write her own ticket at this point in time because she is well thought of in the industry and i think that right now she had a good enough year where she still stands out as the number one women's wrestler right now for 2021.
2: you know and if i can comment one thing on what you said with becky lynch i i feel like you know and i just mentioned it with darius lockhart you take that personality you turn it up and i think that the man wasn't that far removed from Becky Lynch? Like I yeah. feel like that character was her turned up a little bit, you know, being somewhat that's have a chip on her shoulder and 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 works so hard to get there. Big Time Bex doesn't have that. I don't think that Becky Lynch is this kind of Hollywood Kardashian snooty type of character. Like I just don't buy it.
0: It just doesn't come across as such.
2: It doesn't come across as being genuine. Yeah, I yeah. agree. So I, I think a major major fumble on that.
0: Plus, I also think even though the WWE still has the the biggest women's platform right now, they do need an influx of talent. I think Mm -hmm. it's starting to see it wear a little thin as far as some of the the talent that they have underneath. I think some of the women that have been released were somewhat misguided. I think as far as them not being pushed better in the WWE, because I think they had a lot of good talent that was released over the course of this past year. So I think that was... To WWE's mistake and chagrin. But again, we'll go and contemplate that because you know they'll think they've got bigger stars coming up, and they they probably do have some good stars coming along the way in NXT and in the developmental center. So we'll see what happens there. But again, when you have a product that spaces itself out with a Monday and Friday shows and a Monday and Friday contingent, you're going to have your issues as far as depth when you have injuries, when you have Releases when you're trying to build that back up again. So mm-hmm. we'll wait and see what the women's product will do for 2022, but I'm still excited for that product. And I think the women's wrestling out there is probably at the best it has been or ever been at this stage of this late decade that we had previously. And now, this earlier part of this decade, I think the women's product is probably better than it's ever been.
2: Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, I want to say like 2005 is when we started to see it peak up and it's been just going up ever since.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I cannot tell you enough good things. Reminds me of the 90s with the all Japan women's scene that that was out there. I think that was some of the best women's wrestling I've ever seen, which was made it even more exciting. And they were hardcore and they would do things that I think that stood out. And I, I really appreciated that. And I think we're going back to that type of, realistic wrestling that's really coordinated that really works well and i think the women's product is probably as good as it's been
2: in a long long time you're listening to the pop culture cosmos if
0: you're in the las vegas and henderson areas and are looking to buy sell or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles there's no better place to go than retro city games from xbox to playstation nintendo to atari You've already covered the best women's wrestler, best tag team, and best future prospect. Once again, it's John Orlando for the PVD Cast. You better go after this to the PVDCast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. But before we head out, my friend, it's that time. It's that time for you to pick the individual wrestler, male or female. You can even go back as far as Diana Perrazzo dominating again. So if you want to do that, you can. But. Your thoughts on the best wrestler for 2021. And again, it can be male or female. Your choice, my friend.
2: This was another hard one to pick because I thought, man, you know, CM Punk comes back. Seven years, he still has it. He may not be razor sharp, but he still has it. And Danielson has been putting on clinics. And Big E being a champion now, giving the chance to run with the ball. All of those were in contention. Yeah, but... I selected Roman Reigns because, again, that was the only storyline. The Lesnar, Reigns, Heyman, Usos, that was the only storyline that I absolutely had to see. If I didn't watch SmackDown, I looked it up on YouTube. What happened with those? That's the only storyline I cared about the entire year in the WWE. Roman Reigns has gone from, I mean, look at his career. I mean, he's gone from unlikely baby face that nobody liked to now being one of the most sinister heels with such a great performance with his promos. He doesn't yell and shout, but he's, he's like Jake Roberts. He tells you matter of factly, and it still makes you believe this dude means everything he's saying. So I gave it to Roman Reigns. I think he's had the best year in terms of the of wrestler.
0: You know, my friend, this is the one category. I think we both agree on by default. Because I think (laughs) that no other wrestler stood out enough, man or woman, that could claim that title above Roman Reigns. I think Roman Reigns, even though he is the commander of a ship that's kind of flailing right now in the sea, I think that he is the best thing about the WWE right now. Because the fact that it's something that I wish they would have done back in 2018, before the pandemic, and make him that evil, evil wrestler that... Really come in fact, 2017 probably would have been the best year for it when those chants first started coming out as far as it's concerned and just really started to resonate the dislike for him as a baby face. And then he obviously took some time off to go ahead for cancer treatment and things of that nature. So I wish him continued health. But I agree with you on that. I think he does provide a sinister outlet, and I think it's time for the WIB to do something we suggest and stop having a Monday and Friday champion. I mean, why have these these non-title Survivor Series unification matches that are not unification that lead to just the denigration of one champion over another? It's just beyond me. Just go ahead, merge the titles, have one title, have one champion going across both shows, and go from there. I think that would solidify things. I think that would straighten things out a lot more. I think that would make the package and the product a lot better the company's insistence on doing this dual champion just breaks everything off because you have an individual that you can actually center the company around. You've tried to center the company around Roman Reigns. The problem is you can only do it one day a week. And that to me is a problem because his run right now, no matter what you think of it is the best thing that you've got in the WWE. And I think that unless they go ahead and try to work itself out in a certain manner, they need to go ahead
2: and just follow the Roman Reigns train wherever it goes, and they divided up so that they have two brands, so they could do more house shows. Originally, that was the Originally. idea, but now y- you're years and years on house ago, shows. and yeah, now there's no house show business, so you have no excuse for keeping separate tag champs, separate world champs, separate ladies champs or women's champs. Just merge them all, and then focus on like it was in the NWA territory: your intercontinental on SmackDown, US on Raw and then you have the world champs crossing over. Heck, yeah. why not even do it to NXT? Like, think how cool it would be if you just happened to turn on, and I know they did it with AJ Styles, but, you know, you're, you're sitting there, you watch a TV, and all of a sudden, hey, here is uh, the WWE champion. Here's Roman Reigns coming down, and he has a somewhat competitive match with a, a Joe Gacy or whatever, and he ends up winning anyways, but that would, again, that builds Joe Gacy, that builds that brand of NXT. I mean they could easily do it. They could
0: easily do it. And the problem is that they are reluctant to do so. And I know that they've been wanting to build this company around Roman Reigns for quite some time and have tried previously, but I think this is the best iteration of what they can do, even though he is a heel. And I think that right now you gotta do what you can. I I mean, you gave him that tremendous victory at WrestleMania over two of the long-standing WWE stars there in Edge and Brian Danielson, and you, you beat them in a very humiliating style. I mean, it would have taken me a lot of cash my way for me to go ahead and say, "Yeah, okay, I'll I'll be, I'll lose in that humiliated style." And you do this in order to pump up Roman Reigns and just to see the fact that they haven't really done much with it outside of what we're seeing with this Lesnar tit-for-tat that he's going back and forth on, and now he's fired Paul Heyman, and the storyline continues there. That's fine, but what is it going to lead into? Is it going to lead into a Royal Rumble match? Is it going to lead to a WrestleMania match? But the thing is, it's just going to be one more match on a marquee. You've got to make it the match on a marquee, and I think Roman Reigns is at the point where you got to say to yourself, we're going to go ahead and center this company around him and take it all the way with him because I think he's
2: the best thing going for that company right now, whether you like it or not. I think he would have some crossover appeal. You know, we talked about that at the beginning. I think he's done. He did a movie. I can't remember what the, is a Rob Schneider film from last year, the wrong, well, Missy, he, that's what it's called. He, had well, a he, did, part in he he was in the movie with the rock as far. oh as Yeah, the, that's right. He was also in the Hobbs and Shaw movie. Yes. He's got the crossover appeal that you could certainly still have him do. Oh, Hey, tonight on Jimmy Fallon, it's, Roman Reigns, you know, and he could come on and still have that crossover appeal. Maybe he's the only one right now. But as you said, you you go with what you got for the time being.
0: I'll tell you, my friend, it's just been great hearing your thoughts on your thoughts on the best of pro wrestling. And unfortunately, it seems to always come out as the worst of pro wrestling for (laughs) 2021, but... It's business that you and I both have followed and loved for decades now, and we wish it nothing but the best. One last question I'm going to ask you is, do you see better things ahead for the state of pro wrestling in 2022?
2: I, I believe so. I, I'm an optimist when it comes to pro wrestling. Look, I, I truly am. WCW, man, there was some awful stuff. But you know what? There still was always one or two things I really enjoyed, and I tried to focus on those. It's so So easy, Gerald, you can agree with me. It's so easy to focus on the negative things, the things that aren't going right. And I would just say to all wrestling fans, look, we're in a rough spot right now with our product, but find stuff you like and enjoy it. You know, if it is that one hour time limit, draw page and Danielson, cherish that. Say, man, what a great match that was. And try to forget about the other garbage that maybe followed that, you know? (laughs) I mean, so I'm always optimistic that wrestling is going to get better I always have been and I'm not going to change now. So I think in 2022 we're going to have some improvements. It's not going to be perfect, but we're going to have some improvements that's going to entertain us, that's going to fuel that fandom and I'm hopelessly optimistic that when we do this again maybe next year we'll have a few more positive things to mention.
0: I hope so as well, my friend. I'm I think the industry is at a low point and has been for quite some time. I think it can only look up from here. I think, you know, hopefully things will get better as far as the pandemic is concerned, and that will be a bright spot. But also, maybe something will get done on the stalemate for the WWE, whether it gets sold off or something as far as being changed permanently. I have a feeling that you can only stay in the status quo for so long, you know, with a, with a certain company. Mm-hmm. And I think that at some point in time, something has to break. We just can't continue where they're continuing because you see the signs with the WWE that there's a lot of cracks there within the lines of the WWE. So I'm looking forward to seeing if something can happen that will reinvigorate the business once again to the point where it, it should be where it should be. I think that it deserves a better audience. It deserves a larger audience. So we'll, we'll hopefully wait and see what's going on with that. But AEW, hopefully that'll continue to rise to the point where it becomes a more viable week by week opponent for the WWE and not just okay, we got half your audience, maybe at some point in time it will get the similar audience. Do you think that'll happen? Do you think it'll rise up to that type of level? Or do you think that the WWE will get to the point where it comes down to their level as far as maybe meeting halfway, somewhere in the middle? Do you think that by the end of next year, during 2022, that you and I will be talking about them as equals on an every week basis?
2: I think they become equals only based on what you just did with your hands. The WWE just starts to tip, falter and falter and AEW rises. You know, I think that they're going to be even. I do, especially if the WWE continues the trajectory that they're on. I agree with you. I mean, AEW, you can't say it has been pushed by TNT
0: and the WWE no. and TNT networks and, and all that. So I I really think they've done a great job of promoting it. And it's only garnered so much of an audience because of it. And the fact is they can go a little bit higher, I think. I think they can get a couple more acquisitions that will help boost it a little bit on a permanent basis. But you're right, it's going to take the WWE falling even more, which right now, like you said, is on a trajectory to. And I'm hoping that we will be both be proven wrong and that the I WWE agree. will find itself and be able to increase its audience going forward because the industry is better with a strong WWE, regardless of what everybody out there says and everybody that has ill will towards the WWE. It's still the industry overall is healthier when the WWE is healthy itself. Agreed, absolutely, one hundred percent. But once again, it is the PVD Cast. This is something you've got to check out on a weekly basis at the PVDCast.com. In fact, during the interim, while he is away from the PVD Cast, that gives you plenty of ample time to go ahead and check out the archives of all the great podcasts that are available today at the PVDCast.com. Well, thanks, my friend. I appreciate you stopping by. Thank you and for having forward, me. appreciate it, Gerald. Looking forward to having you stop by once again right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.
2: You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos.
0: Thanks so much to John Orlando from the PBD cast for stopping by with his picks for the best in pro wrestling this year. So for Melinda Barkhouse-Ross, this is Gerald Glass It's another beautiful day of paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening, and here's hoping you have yourself a great 2022, and, of course, a great day. Of the myriad pop culture podcasts, there is one that blends in with them all flying under the radar, nagging at you at a subconscious level. Nerd Bliss, where four hosts from the Deep South and anyone that can get to appear for store-brand coffee and corn nuts talk about science fiction, pop culture, current affairs, and more. You can find us at nerdblisspodcast.com or on the ESO network. Nerd Bliss, it's one word. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast.